0: Some major upsets in college football, statement games across the NFL, and we're celebrating National Tight End Day this past Sunday with a tight end themed ranking. And the start of the NBA season means we got some basketball news not related to Ben Simmons. All that and more on this week's pod. And
1: gonna need one. He's, oh, there's a flag. Back to the yes.
0: what's going on guys welcome to pod number eight of the crew sports pod make sure to follow us on twitter at crew sports pod i'm michael akeem joined here always by vito patel how you doing Vito?
1: i'm doing great how are you michael
0: doing well doing well so let's get into our college football And last week we were talking about there's going to be no top 25 matchups for this past weekend. But even with that, there was still plenty of chaos. We had five teams from the top 25 go down this past week. Uh, We also had Pitt beat Clemson on a quick side note. And in that game, I thought Pitt's quarterback, Kenny Pickett, looked and has been looking pretty good. He had 302 yards and two touchdowns that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kenny Pickett is a baller, and he's in the highs of talk, and he deserves to be. So he has 23 touchdowns on the season and only one interception. And, yeah, he's moving the wow. ball really well, especially against that Clemson defense too.
0: Yeah, so he's been good. Getting into a little bit of the madness from this past weekend, we'll start things off with probably the craziest game of the weekend, Penn State versus Illinois. This game went into nine overtimes, which is a record and illinois ended up upsetting penn state 20 to 18 so i'll run through it real quick in regulation not that many scoring opportunities kind of boring it was 10 10 going into overtime throughout the first two overtimes both teams just traded field goals so i ended up being 16 16 and then the new rule is after the second overtime so starting the third overtime you just trade two point conversion attempts one shot to get into the end zone from the two-yard line per overtime. That's it. In the third and fourth overtimes, both teams should have scored both times. But both teams missed. So scoreless through those two. Scoreless through the fifth, sixth, and seventh overtime. Finally, in the eighth overtime, they both trade two-point conversions. So now we're 18-18. And then finally, in the ninth overtime, Penn State goes first. They get stopped on their two-point conversion attempt. And then Illinois scores on theirs, and they win 20-18. to And that's Penn State's second loss in
1: a row now. Dang. And Penn State's offense just looked absolutely awful. As you mentioned, they didn't score in many of those overtimes. And, I mean, throughout that whole game, they looked awful. They only had 62 rushing yards and 227 yards total against this Illinois defense, which I don't know much about Illinois, but I'm really sure their defense isn't that good. Penn State's offense just looked awful. And yeah, it's just super embarrassing for Penn State. I mean, they had the big game against Ohio State next weekend, and I guess they're looking forward to it too much. But I think the worst and most embarrassing thing, though, was the rushing difference. Illinois ran all over Penn State, had 357 yards rushing. So basically, Illinois was the more physical and dominant team that game. At least Penn State kept it closer multiple overtimes, but Illinois won that game deservingly.
0: You hinted at it a little bit. Classic trap game for Penn State. And... They really were worse in almost every category. Yeah. Except passing. Illinois only had completed eight passes for 38
1: yards. (laughs) I mean, if they're running the ball that well, though, I guess that might be a factor too.
0: Chase Brown, 33 carries for 223 yards.
1: And then Josh McCray,
0: 24 carries for 142 yards. So they really were not even trying to pass. All they did was just run it. But
1: it was working, I guess.
0: I mean, I guess they, they didn't really score that much. Yeah.
1: It was just more Penn State's offense really just did not do much. I mean, their defense is really good, but you got to move the ball, especially if you're going to play Ohio State next week because you can't rely on your defense to stop Ohio State's explosive offense.
0: They even forced three turnovers and did nothing with them. Wow. Uh, Moving on to, I thought this was probably the college game of the week, Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. There was a couple lead changes in the fourth quarter. The biggest lead of the game for either team was just seven points, so... Throughout the whole game, it was just one possession. I thought Iowa State was pretty good through the air. Purdy was 27 for 33, 307 yards, two touchdowns. And his favorite target on the day, Xavier Hutchinson, 12 receptions
1: for 125 yards and two touchdowns. A few quick takes about this game. Oklahoma State had the lead for most of the game and gave it up uh, late in the third quarter. And this is kind of the opposite of what happened with their game against Texas last week. But Oklahoma State shot themselves in the foot by missing a couple of field goals. But overall, Iowa State still played really well, so it was still fairly even. I can't say Oklahoma State was definitively the better team. But one thing I found really interesting in this game was when Xavier Hutchinson scored that second touchdown for Iowa State, or I actually maybe, I think it was first, he started like walking into the end zone because the corner that was guarding him fell. And they called him for unsportsmanlike conduct for like, I guess, celebrating before he made it to end zone. And so they had to redo that play. Yeah, they took the touchdown off the board. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I first like I did I don't not even that's know such... that's how it worked. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you're that receiver, if you're that wide open, I mean, let him have fun. It's a game after all. The fans like this. Literally, everyone likes that, and no one thought that was a problem except, I guess, that one ref. I didn't even know you could. I guess. I guess he
0: started taunting is what they called it right before he got in the end zone. So they called it 15 yards from there. Yeah. I didn't even know that's how the rule would work.
1: I didn't know that was a thing either. I'm sure a lot of those players didn't know that was a rule either. So
0: I mean, I it really wasn't.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. It was call, but
0: he still ended up getting a touchdown a couple plays later. So
1: And he had a great day, but still, just wanted to mention that.
0: Yeah, it was weird. Moving on to a game we highlighted last week, Ole Miss versus LSU. It did not really turn out as close as I thought it would be. Ole Miss offense looked good. I mean, they were balanced. They ran it well, they threw it well. Corral, 18 for 23, 185 yards, one passing, one rushing touchdown. And then on the ground, Jared Connor went for 117, and Ely went for 97 and a touchdown. And both of the running backs averaged over eight yards
1: of carry. That was my biggest takeaway too, I thought they were a team that really relied heavily on Corral to pass the ball around, but they showed that they could run the ball well. And actually, the game was a lot more dominant than the scoreboard shows. They were up 31-3 to going to the fourth quarter. Ole Miss's defense really proved that they're pretty good, too, because this is the same LSU team that scored like 49 against Florida the week before. So Ole Miss is really looking like a top-10 team for sure, and I wouldn't be too surprised if they started making some more noise.
0: Yeah, their defense forced three turnovers, and LSU... I feel like after the first quarter, they couldn't really do much.
1: Ole Miss has Auburn coming this week. So, I mean, there's going to be another big test. But if they play like this, they might be able to beat Auburn on the road. Notre Dame versus USC
0: under the lights in South Bend. This game, me and you got to go see together. It was a lot of fun. Notre Dame came out with a victory, 31-16 against the Trojans, and it seemed like, I guess, Jack Cohen is the quarterback until he messes up. He didn't really mess up that much that game, so Buckner only got a couple snaps in,
1: but... Actually, I have a few pretty good hot takes about this game. I wouldn't say it's that hot, but... The offense looked pretty good. I think the Byvik helped out, and, you know, the offensive line looks a little better. I wouldn't say much better. I know Kyvern had a good rushing yard, like rushing game, but he also had to break a lot of tackles. Like It seems like he probably broke 40 tackles that game. Still, he still saw a lot more holes than usual, and it was a very balanced approach. And we only punted the ball once that entire game. So, I mean, our offense has looked a lot better as a way.
0: I was going to say similar. Uh, Kyron had 25 carries for 138 and two touchdowns. But like you said, a lot of that was yards after contact. But better than the beginning of the year when we ended games with single-digit yeah. rushing yards. So improvement, though
1: and improving week by week. Another big thing I learned from this game after like reviewing a little bit, Kyle Hamilton went out the second drive on defense. And like, I mean, he's our best player, but USC has not scored under 20 in over two years. Last time they scored under 20 points was September 2019. Like USC's offense is known to be explosive, especially with Slovis and Drake London. And so what I realized was we gave a lot of screen passes. Our game plan was not to go big plays, I guess, after Hamilton went out. So I actually really love Freeman's adjustments. So I think he played all the corners back that's why those screens were open. But because of that, they weren't giving up big plays, which USC usually does. And eventually our defense would start making plays. They only scored 16 points against this defense, which is really good considering we don't even have our best defender. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Marcus Freeman. I mean, I already was, but like, I, I love this defense now. Yeah, make him go down the field the hard way. Don't get like a 70-yard pass to London or something.
0: Freeman's been great I mean doubts in the beginning of the year in the beginning of the year we kept giving up big plays it looked like we were too aggressive but I feel like he's balanced it out more
1: now but yeah not having Hamilton uh, for next week is gonna be pretty tough again I think North Carolina is a better passing team than USC I mean USC has the best receiver ever, are probably gonna face all year in London but
0: it's another game under the lights at Notre Dame
1: Early coming into season, North Carolina was supposed to be really good. North Carolina dropped some couple games, but they're still a really solid team. And yeah, without Kyle Hamilton, it's it's going to be a little, little challenge stopping the, all these receivers.
0: It opens up at Notre Dame is favored by three and a half. So pretty close.
1: I actually have to agree with that. I think North Carolina is going to find a way to score on us. But with our adjustments on offense, I think we'll be able to score back.
0: I still take it. I think Notre Dame's is just a much more talented team. And North Carolina is kind of underachieved, I'd say, for this year. Especially at falling out of the top 25.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of the top 25, even with no top 25 matchups this past week, there was still a decent amount of movement in the AP top 25 poll. I mean, you had Oklahoma State, Penn State, and Coastal Carolina all had big drops after losing. You had Alabama switch places with Oklahoma after they got shut out by Kansas in the first half but found a way to win that. So you got Alabama back at number three now. And then Georgia stays the unanimous number one. Everyone else kind of moved up a couple spots after Oklahoma State and Penn State dropped. Looking ahead to next week, we got three top 25 matchups. So there's going to be even more chaos. I mean, even there's a top 10 matchup in Michigan at Michigan State this is the battle of the undefeated to go atop the big 10 East right now the line opened up at Michigan by four and a half
1: oh I don't know about that I've, I like what I see from Michigan this year I'm not I totally agree but Michigan's not really known for these big games and going on oh, the road yeah. to Michigan State whos look pretty solid like I like the odds for Michigan State. To at least cover four and a half.
0: I mean, is this year's Michigan team different, though?
1: They're not normally 7-0. and No, that's true. But I also don't think there's anything, like, especially special about this team. Uh, I just think they haven't had a hard schedule. The toughest team they played this year was Wisconsin, which, you know, Wisconsin's like 500. Hard for you to really judge how good they are. But, I mean, now that they have a real battle, I think, I don't know, I just don't see Michigan uh, being that big of a favorite on the road against a Michigan State team. I think has looked pretty impressive this year. I think we're going
0: to learn a lot about this Michigan team over the next five weeks. So they got Michigan State coming up this week, like we just said. Then they go IU at home, at Penn State, at Maryland, and then they finish the year off back in Ann Arbor against Ohio State. So, yeah, they got three ranked opponents, and then IU and Maryland. So their easiest game left on their schedule is probably IU.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a tough stretch.
0: IU's defense is pretty good.
1: And I use still a tough team. Uh I won't say yeah, I won't say anything about their offense because it's not good at all. But I use defense you could find a way to keep it close. So yeah, this is gonna be a tough stretch.
0: It's probably like four or five of Michigan's hardest games of the year, pretty much. Another top twenty five game we got. Also still in the Big Ten, we got number five Ohio State versus Penn State at number
1: twenty. Oh yeah, Penn State is getting I don't even know what the line is, but I think Penn State's not going to cover. Ohio State's going to cover the line, in my opinion.
0: So, I think Vegas agrees with you because the line is Ohio State by 18 and a half. Oh. Oh, okay. I don't know about that, <laughs> actually. <laughs> wow. I, I was expecting something single-digit. I was like, the same thing. I'm like, oh, Ohio State's killing this game. And I went and I was looking
1: these up, and I was like, oh, it seems like everyone agrees. Okay, so Ohio State's offense has been insane as of late. Like, we just talked about how good IU's defense was, but they hung up a 50-piece on us. And they could have done much more, but they stopped. They showed a little mercy. <laughs> yeah. Uh And, I mean, it, it makes sense, though. CJ Stroud is a good quarterback. He's just, you know, hasn't had too much experience. And he has arguably three of the best receivers of all of college football in Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, it's... And... I just realized, Michael, I didn't know this, but their running back Trevion Henderson is one of the best in college football, too. He was a really brief time in the Heisman talk this season, too. The third top 10 matchup next week. We talked about this a
0: little bit already. Number 10, Ole Miss at number 18, Auburn. Auburn's actually the favorite by two and a half points.
1: Yeah, see, that's the thing. That's kind of fair because... Something about Auburn at home is really good. I, I think Auburn's one of those last two home games against Alabama, too. And Adrenal's won, like, four in the last decade, which doesn't sound like a lot. But that means four of his last five matchups against Alabama they won at home. They're just a tough home team. And, I mean, they're pretty solid this year. They're also coming off a bye, and they just beat Arkansas before that. They're solid. And, yeah, Arkansas. I thought Arkansas is really good, and Arkansas almost beat uh, Ole Miss. So I think, I think their mind's respectable. But I think it's going to be a really good matchup because I think both these teams have gotten better every week.
0: I mean, Ole Miss is hot right now, though.
1: Yeah, no, it is.
0: Good win over LSU. Good game against Tennessee. A shootout against Arkansas. So three good wins after they lost to Bama in early October.
1: If they're only lost so far to Bama, that's a pretty good loss. Uh, Ole Miss has been... Looking really good as of late. And if Ole Miss wins this game and beats AM in a couple weeks, I mean, that's pretty much all that's left on their schedule. That's tough.
0: Unless Alabama loses again this year, they're going to be, like, their ceiling is like a New Year's 6.
1: But they'd be a pretty solid uh, New Year's 6 team.
0: <laughs> the other big notable game next week, we got Georgia versus Florida. That game opened up with Georgia as a two-touchdown favorite over the Gators. Which I think is fair. I think they cover that honestly.
1: Uh, I, I like I like Florida, but Georgia's on a new planet. Again,
0: yeah. Until anyone even makes it a game with Georgia, I think they just keep
1: steamrolling. Though watch out, though the Gators did get a buy, so it might be within three touchdowns. <laughs> well,
0: I still wouldn't call that a game. I'd still be
1: going for Georgia. Georgia's the most complete team, and honestly, we still haven't seen them at their full health. So uh this is just really their dominance has just been their defense. Which is insane. Yeah, wait till they get healthy. Which I think they're not even in a rush to get healthy because they know their backup offensive weapons are do- gonna do well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. That's so
0: crazy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. George is a fun team to watch, so
1: they are. I actually like watching their defense too.
0: Yeah, their defense is just that good that it's fun to watch. You gotta be a really good defense to <laughs> to be fun to watch. <laughs> exactly. All right, moving on to the NFL. This past Sunday was National Tight End Day. And tight ends on National Tight End Day combined for 118 receptions for 1,382 yards and nine touchdowns. Some notable performances included Kyle Pitts, seven catches for 163 yards, CJ Uzoma for 91 yards and two touchdowns, Mike Gusecki had 81 yards and two touchdowns. Zach Ertz went for 66 in touchdown. And Tunyon went for 63 in a touchdown. And with that, we decided that for this week's Rank It, we're going to rank the top five tight ends of the 2021 NFL season. I don't know about you, but when doing this, going into it, I was like, oh, easy, I know, this guy, this guy, this guy, I'm going to be putting in, whatever, right? But when I came down to it, making my list, I had about – nine or ten guys and i was like holy crap this is harder than i thought
1: absolutely yeah i'm fairly confident that maybe the top of my list but outside of that like this list was definitely controversial for sure but you know at the same time i've said that in the past if you had some similar list so let's like, let's get started let will start at number five and work our way up yep i can start uh so number five i have mark andrews from baltimore he's super consistent uh every year he's getting uh his touches and you know he's only had four nfl seasons and already 23 touchdowns but what's crazier is he's had 20 of those in his last three nfl seasons and he's looking really sharp already and he's already on his way to make well over a thousand yards this year so give me mark andrews of five my number five with no bias is
0: dawson knox so, for me, I was kind of looking at trying to put the most like impactful five players. Because, for example, like Dawson Knox right now, 286 yards. That's good for ninth. So, out of my like 10-list player that I thought should be in this, he was kind of towards the lower end. But he's got 21 catches, and five of them went for touchdowns, which is good for first in the league. So, wow. in terms of impact, a red zone threat. Yeah, exactly. And almost... A fourth of his catches end up in the end zone. So he's been big for the Bills offense so far this year. And I mean, one other stat that I got is, averages 13.6 yards per catch, which is good for six. So he's a pretty impactful player and an important part in the Bills offense. Unfortunately, he did break his hand against Tennessee. And it looks like he's not coming back to around week 10.
1: My number four, uh, I think this is highly controversial, but I truly mean this, is Kyle Pitts. And I definitely think he could be higher up on this uh, as career moves forward. I know he started a season slow, but he had back-to-back 100-yard games. And I know this is not statistically, like, I can't really say this statistically, but he's 6'6", 240, and he runs really fast, like, really fast. Like, he has everything you need to be probably one of the best tight ends ever, if not the best. There's so much praise around this guy for a good reason coming into the NFL. And I'll say he could settle already at four. Yeah, we were talking about how
0: fast he is. His 40 time was 4.44, so...
1: Wow, that's wide receiver speed.
0: Yeah, he's I mean, he's just a huge receiver, so... Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But my number four is Mike Gasecki. Fourth in yards this year, he's got 427. Fourth in receptions at 37. 61 yards per game and two touchdowns. And he's just a veteran presence on this young Miami offense. And they kind of forgot about him for the first couple of weeks of the year. So like Kyle Pitts, he started off a little slow, but they've been using him a lot more as the weeks have gone on. He's just—he's always a target for Tua or Kobe Percet, whoever's behind center.
1: Yeah, no, that was a great pick. But honestly, uh, he did make my list. Uh, number three for me is Darren Waller from the Oakland Raiders. Last year, he had a really good year uh, coming off of almost 1,200 yards receiving nine touchdowns. And he started this year off pretty strong, too first game he had 105 yards but the big thing for me is that he's had pretty pretty much 50 yards every single game this season he's super consistent he gets his touches and he is a freak of nature as well he's 6'6 and 256 so he's even larger than uh kyle pitts and yeah he's just a matchup nightmare and he definitely helps uh has helped Derek Carr have this really good season
0: yeah i remember watching him against baltimore week one prime time it was insane yeah my number three, who you said you could put a little higher on the list, number three, Kyle Pitts. Okay. First in yards per game, 78 and a half. He's third in total yards at 471. He's got 31 catches, and he's third in yards per catch at 15.9. Only found the end zone once, but like you said, I mean, start off slow. He really didn't do anything week one, a little bit week two. But these last couple games, at 119 yards and then 163 yards, he's just becoming a bigger, bigger part of this offense. And, I mean,
1: he's got the potential to do so. So, exciting young prospects. still. This next one, yeah, I'm not going to say it's too much based off of this season, but I just definitely see this. And I think it's George Kittle. I think uh, the way that offense is designed, he hasn't gotten his touches too much, especially with the injuries they had at quarterback. But when, when healthy, I mean, he's he's an insane receiver. And even as of late, he had that big seven-catch game against Green Bay with 92 yards.
0: My number two for this year is Travis Kelsey. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Kelsey's first in receptions, 45. First in targets with 65, and that's like by a lot. First in yards, 533. Third in touchdowns with four. He's just a great do-it-all tight end. But I got one person ahead of him that I think has just been bigger for his team this year. His stats are a little below Kelsey, but I'll let you do your number one and then I'll say mine.
1: Well, yeah, my number one is Travis Kelsey for all the reasons you said before. But one more reason, five straight seasons, he's had a thousand plus yards and he's on pace to do six straight this year. Easily, actually. This year he's going to easily hit it if he keeps going at the pace he's going at. I mean, that's just insane. That's like a top notch receiver of numbers and he's a tight end.
0: My number one for this year, who you put a little lower on your list, I got Mark Andrews as number one. Okay, he's third in receptions with 37, second in yards right behind Kelsey at 516, uh, and he's three touchdowns. But the reason I put him in number one ahead of Kelsey is he's the go-to guy in the in the Ravens passing offense. Like he's who Jackson's looking for when he's scrambling or when they need to get yeah. a third down and. For him to be, you know, top five or top three even in the in the big receiving categories, and a run first offense shows you how, how important he is to the passing aspect of that offense.
1: He's just been getting better and better. Teams like he made some one hand catches. Uh yeah, he's he's insane. But I probably could have moved him higher. But it was a tough, it was a tough list. Exactly, and yeah, the thing about the tight ends too is like numbers aren't necessarily everything about the impact. So, but yeah, there's 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 a, there's a lot about yeah. tight ends, but yeah. Yeah, like you said, because uh, I didn't even consider the fact that they were running offense and he's getting his numbers like that. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to consider in tight, tight ends.
0: I bet we both would have had Gronk on our list if he played more than three games this year. I had to leave Kittle off. He's gotten hurt a little bit too. Waller was probably the hardest one for me to leave off. He's just a monster. He's just like Kyle Pitts. I Yeah, I was going to say, how do you leave off Waller, though? No bias putting Knox in there instead of Waller. <laughs> We're moving on to the rest of the games. What did you have for your game of the week last week? There was not that many close
1: games for the first time in a while. Yeah, there's very few. I had the Falcons and Dolphins. It was super close. Matt Ryan and Tua had like a crazy quarterback battle. Ryan had 336 yards and two touchdowns, while Tua had 291 yards and four touchdowns. But uh, that wasn't the crazy part. But just nine minutes left, uh, Miami was down two scores, and Tua led them on a couple drives and they took the lead with two and a half minutes left, but Matt Ryan marched the troops down and they got a last-second field goal win. And Miami's lost yet another game now, uh, but they are looking good-ish. Ish. Yeah,
0: ish. Good-ish is the problem. Miami kind of sticks, is what I meant to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, man, that goes to show though, even even the losing record teams can have Game of the Week still. That uh, was not my Game of the Week, though. My Game of the Week... Was not as close. My game of the week was Cincinnati at Baltimore. I love that. <laughs> I did not expect Cincinnati. I mean, first, I didn't expect Cincinnati to win this game. Second, I, or I don't think anyone expected Cincinnati to be this good this year. And the reason why I picked this game as my game of the week is because it showed Cincinnati's legit this year. I mean, they're the top of a pretty tough division, the AFC North. I mean, you got the Browns, you got the Ravens, who I thought was a favorite for the division. And you got the Steelers, or who, who are the worst team in the division, but are not, like, that bad of a team. So for Cincinnati, who's probably the youngest team in that division, to be leading it right now is impressive. And... Yeah, yeah. Man, that Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection is fun. Burrow, 23 for 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. That's over 18 yards a completion. Jamar Chase, eight receptions for 201 yards and a touchdown. And then we highlighted it on National Tight End Day. CJ Uzoma, three catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns. I think the biggest surprise about this team, even bigger than... How explosive their offense is this defense is locked down i mean they had five sacks and they were big time plays like a couple of them pushed baltimore out of field goal range and i mean they held baltimore just 17 points
1: and they're only two losses in the season uh, for the Bengals. going back to them combined six points and one of them was in overtime uh, to green bay which almost should have tied they really had a lot of good games and going back to the jamar chase and joe burrow combo i mean that was nice in lsu but who would have known it would have translated even better in the NFL? You know how Justin Jefferson, also on the LSU team, broke the receiving record from Randy Moss last year? Yeah, Jamar Chase is on pace to break Justin Jefferson's record.
0: Wow. And those were all teammates in college, which is even crazier.
1: No, I mean, no one even came close to being the LSU team in those three together.
0: They were legit then, they're still legit now. For Baltimore for this game, though, I don't think it makes Baltimore look like that bad. I think it's just Cincinnati's
1: way better than everyone thought. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's been on the road, too. There's a lot of takeaways from this, but Cincinnati is the real deal for sure.
0: Lamar Jackson was responsible for all but 48 of Baltimore's yards. And the Ravens were actually up 17-13 to in the third quarter in a game that ended 41-17. So it was a pretty close game until the end.
1: I mean, that's so impressive they were able to wrap it up.
0: Moving on to this week's pick I'm up by two now, bro. You need three, <laughs> three in to in a, a row. up, yeah. man. Yeah, I won last week, so overall record is 4-2 to two with one tie. It's just locked over for you. All your picks are just locks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week was tough, though. Oh, my God. There are very few games I'm confident in for this week.
1: Yeah, I know. Same. I mean, especially after losing three in a row, I'm less and less confident <laughs> on my picks anyways.
0: <laughs> They've been close. We'll start off with even this. Like, We're starting off with this Thursday night game. It was impossible. I was going back and forth. Green Bay at Arizona.
1: That That is a tough one because I think at some point in the season that Arizona is going to lose a game and might not be to a really good team like Green Bay. But the thing is, like, I'm not going to pick against them because They've just looked really sharp on both sides of the ball. and That's what I'm saying. I still think Green Bay's a little worse than it seemed. I don't think they're a bad team at all, but I'm just saying they haven't looked like that dominant of a one-loss team.
0: Last week, when I saw, like, this was this week's Thursday night game, I was like, oh, this is finally going to be the week I might confidently pick against Arizona. But yesterday, I think, and, and then again today, Adams and Lazard are on the COVID list for Green Bay. And with this being a short week, I kind of doubt that they play so i saw that i was like okay you know what uh i wasn't that confident picking against arizona now i'm definitely not picking against them especially if those two are out because like adams obviously the number one and last week lazard had a huge week so i was like oh if adams is out maybe lazard you know picks up the slack but then you know a day later they announced he's also joining adams on the covet list so yeah no,
1: that's huge yeah no i
0: got i got arizona as well
1: we were talking about how some of these Thursday night games have been bad, but as of late, I feel like these Thursday night games have picked up, and this is a really good one. Yeah, I
0: mean, they start off with like with, with the Jags were playing Thursday night, yeah. the Jets were playing on Thursday night, Houston was playing on Thursday night. Exactly, the Giants. Hey, man they they won that last week. The Giants won last week. I had that Giants Carolina pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I don't I don't know how Carolina's so bad, but yeah, the Giants Giants have looked a little better especially in that game. But still, I either way, I don't think Giants are a fun team to watch, and I wouldn't want them on Thursday night.
0: Come back to Green Bay at Arizona, let's do a score prediction for this game. I got Arizona with half of Green Bay's wide receiver room out. Arizona 28, Green Bay 17. I was
1: going 31 to say 31-21, to I think.
0: It's still like multiple yeah, scores. Yeah, similar.
1: Eh, I guess we scored pretty much the same.
0: Yeah, that's pretty close. Going on to the Halloween games, we learned not to pick Carolina. We both got Atlanta over Carolina, Buffalo over Miami, and our first difference, San Francisco at Chicago. You are a loyal Bears fan, but I'm going San Francisco.
1: Yeah, I've faked against the Bears too many times, and a lot of times I was right. I think <laughs> I was right more times than I was wrong, because <laughs> we lost more games. But the thing is, I think the Bears uh, always look a little better after an awful loss. And like, the last time we had an awful loss, we bounced back and won our game. So uh, I think using that same logic, I think we come back to Chicago and beat the 49ers. I, I don't think the 49ers are that good either.
0: Yeah, 49ers have been kind of up and down this year. They're starting to get a couple players back. But I thought watching them against the Colts last week, they ran pretty well with Eli Mitchell and they can get the run game going like that against chicago i think it's gonna even though chicago's defense has been looking better but but it's the offense
1: that worries me uh fields and the whole offense look pretty bad we've had a lot of running back injuries too in general but still uh i think fields is still growing and learning and i've seen him learn from mistakes in the past weeks especially after that browns game he came back and looked much more sharp
0: Speaking of the Browns, next we got Pittsburgh at Cleveland. I went Pittsburgh, you
1: went Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland got that win uh, last week, even with their backup quarterback. I just still don't like the Steelers that much. Their their defense is solid, uh, I will agree on that. But I, I just don't think their offense moves too fluid, like too well. And like, playing a scary defense like the Browns on the road, I think Cleveland gets this.
0: Thing is, I'm not like confident Baker's gonna play or gonna be good enough to be back yet. If Baker's gonna be out, and the Browns kind of struggled last week against a Denver team that's not great, and Pitt is coming off a bye, so they might be getting a couple people back. And they look good before their bye, like their offense is not, you know, what it used to be back in its day, but. Their line is doing a little better, and their they're connecting drives a little better, so they're putting up some points at least. Oh, Cleveland's defense is pretty good,
1: but... There is one factor, though, to that Browns game. Baker Mayfield wasn't the only big injury. They also didn't have uh, Nick Chubb, uh, and Nick Chubb should be returning this week. I think that's going to help uh, prepare the Browns forward.
0: I mean, they still ran it pretty good last week.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, they did. I guess they have a pretty good line, but... Uh, Nick Chubb is still pretty pretty big factor. And honestly, I don't think Case Keenum's is that bad of a quarterback. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. Moving on, we
0: got... Oh, we both have Detroit picking up their first win of the year against Philadelphia.
1: Wow, we just hate the Eagles. We're just fading the Eagles. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I picked them last week for an upset of the week against Raiders. And that didn't go very well. So, I gave him a chance. I'm going against them again. I think the
1: Lions are like, I know they're 0-7, they're awful, but they're the worst. I mean, they're the best 0-7 team, if that makes any sense at all. They keep most of their games pretty close. And, uh, yeah, they just can't finish. They just have the worst of luck. They're a pretty good 0-7 team. I think it's just about time that they get their first win. And against the Eagles, I think, who I think suck, Uh, they could do it. Prime opportunity. Uh, Next we got another difference.
0: Tennessee at Indianapolis. You got Tennessee. I got the Colts. Wow. Have you seen what Tennessee has done the last two weeks? That's just all I'm saying. Let's just say before the last couple of weeks that you just mentioned, do you see what happened before that? Who they lost to?
1: Yeah, the Jets. <laughs> Who well, yeah. I think is actually the worst team in the NFL. Exactly.
0: So Tennessee plays horrible couple of weeks. Then they'll be Super Bowl contenders for a couple of weeks. And then I just think the Colts are getting the stride, especially their offense. Like their offense, I said it a little bit last week. They seem to be making big plays. I said it after a game against Houston. So I wasn't sure if that was, you know, real or if it was just because they played Houston. But they picked
1: up where they left off against the 49ers. The Colts are looking really sharp. My role for the Titans now is I got to see to believe that they're playing bad. I
0: was a little worried about picking the Colts, though, because their defense is not the best and their run defense is not like great. So, yeah, I could see King Henry rushing for 150 yards. But, you
1: know. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Baltic. It could work out. I mean, yeah.
0: Tennessee is favored, but it's pretty close. Uh, next game, we got. We both got Cincinnati over the Jets. We both got the Rams over the Texans. Both got Chargers over New England. Seattle over Jacksonville. And then Washington at Denver is where we differ again. I am going with the football team, and you're going with the Broncos.
1: Yeah. I think it's about time that Denver wins the game after starting (laughs) 0-3. Hey,
0: you didn't pick Carolina against Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I realized their quarterback was Sam Darnold, and I shouldn't be praising them that much. I (laughs) I was just wrong. Uh, but it, <laughs> I, I actually think Broncos have a ceiling, though. Like, that's somewhat high. And, I mean, it's not like they're beating a really good team, I think. I mean, I think the Washington football team's solid. I think both of these teams, especially on defense,
0: have been underperforming, right? Like, these were supposed to be two pretty, like, solid defenses. I thought the defense was going to carry Washington. I thought Denver's secondary looked stacked, but those are both wrong. I kind of based this off of last week. Denver's offense, uh, the Browns defense is pretty good, but Denver's offense and Bridgewater did not look good. Heineke did not look great either against Green Bay, but he looked okay. But I think Bridgewater overall had a bad game. I think Heineke's legs saved him. He actually ended up with 95 rushing yards last week against the Packers and was Washington's leading rusher. So I'm kind of going with Heineke over two-glove Teddy. That's why I went
1: with Washington. I mean, this was this definitely a tight one. That's how I say, though, like – into this week, I feel like all the good teams played a somewhat play a somewhat good team this week, and all the bad teams play a somewhat bad team. Like I didn't think both these teams are struggling, but both these teams have good upside. These
0: are level matchups, yeah. Next we got Tampa Bay at New Orleans. We both got Tampa Bay. Even actually, New Orleans looked pretty bad on Monday night. That was a sloppy game. Yeah. And then we both got Dallas over Minnesota. Moving on to Monday night, we got giants at kansas city we both took kansas city although i would say if if patrick mahomes was in concussion protocol like longer and was gonna miss this game low-key i take the giants just because of how bad kansas city's defense has been but patrick mahomes is, is gonna play monday night so
1: yeah no that that kansas city defense is awful yeah
0: i don't know how i saw Earlier in this week, they're like they're last in multiple defensive categories, like yards,
1: points allowed, first downs allowed, things like that. So, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. I feel like Mahomes' performance—I don't think is necessary drop. I know he's throwing more picks, but I think mistakes happen when you play from behind, anyways. I kind of blame their fault on this season so far on their defense. Especially, it's pretty uncharacteristic of them because,
0: like, when they're contending for Super Bowls. Like, yeah, their defense was not, like, when you have an offense that good, your defense not going to be, like, the focal point of your team, right? But their defense held its own, and this year it's just bad.
1: Yeah. No, it's just, yeah,
0: exactly. Off. Like, it was definitely a above-average defense, and now it's somehow it's gotten to one of the worst defenses. I only have a couple injuries and stuff, but even if they're fully healthy, I don't think that takes them from worse defense to, like, above-average. Not that many close games in FL last week. I think we're going to get a lot this next week. It's going to be a good week. Hopefully a
1: couple more overtime games.
0: Yeah, last week was actually the first week we had no overtime weeks so far this season. So that's surprising. Well, not surprising, but uh, moving on. We now have an NBA section of the pod that does not include any Ben Simmons news. Now that the season has actually started. <laughs> going to start with... Looking at the standings in the East, the Bulls are the only undefeated team remaining at four and zero, and then you got the Hornets and Bucks trailing at three and one.
1: Yes, Bulls starting at four and zero. I think it's the first four and zero start we've had since like the Jordan days and since ninety six. Ninety six, wow! This is the last yeah, they... dance. <laughs> and yeah, they 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 look pretty solid. I mean, the big fours worked just as fine as we wanted. Lonzo's looks really good making good passes and playing some solid defense and DDR is getting his points. And even Vucic, uh, he came in mid-season last year, but like he's starting to have a more uh, solid role in his offense. I know they kind of snuck him in uh, last year. But that all being said, I still kind of want to pump the brakes uh, on the Bulls. They're good. They're they're. I definitely think they're going to be a top six seed this year. They're going to be a solid playoff team, but uh, their opponent's combined record right now is 2-9. and nine. So, I know four of those nine losses came to the Bulls, but none of those teams are really that good. I mean, we beat the Pistons twice, who had the number one overall pick. Played them twice already? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, none of that schedule looks too impressive so far. I mean, Pelicans and Raptors are decent. I like the win against the Pelicans. I think Lonzo, I mean, absolutely balled out against his former team. He had a triple-double. And I think, I mean, that's been the best performance, I think, of any Bull so far this year.
0: The Heat are, you know, a
1: game and a half
0: back from the conference-leading Bulls. We're 2-1. And, and Tyler Hero has been, he's been playing really well. He had 27 in the first week against the Bucks, 30 against the Pacers, and then a kind of quieter 13 against the Magic. But moving on to the West, they actually got, the Warriors and the Jazz remain undefeated at 3-0 and 2-0, respectively. Lakers' tough start to the season 1-2. and two. They lost to the Suns and the Warriors back-to-back in their first two games, but finally beat the Grizzlies, even with a great performance
1: from Ja. Honestly, I was going to say the Lakers looked pretty awful starting the season, though. So for the Lakers Warriors game, I think AD and LeBron absolutely balled out, both having, you know, 30 plus points, 33 and 34 respectively. But I was a little, actually a lot a bit worried about Russell Westbrook, who looked awful. <laughs> yeah, he's had a tough
0: start to the year.
1: Yeah, I think the Lakers were figured out, uh, especially with that star par but I'm really impressed with the Warriors, especially since they don't have Clay back yet. Obviously, Curry's dominant, but Wiggins has been playing solid, and Poole's been a good contribution. They're doing this with two of their best players, without two of their best players. I mean, that starting five is kind of scary when uh, it comes down to it, though. Like, I think when Clay comes back, starting five is probably going to be Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Wiseman. Their bench is pretty strong, too. Like, like you said,
0: Poole's been playing well, Bialisa's been knocking down shots. Iggy's like a vet.
1: I think you're right about the preseason prediction, especially now that they're 3-0, but this Warriors team is going to be one of the top teams in the West for sure.
0: I mean, I can't wait to see
1: Clay back. Oh, man. And really, having a big man like Wiseman, too, I think if he makes progress this year, they're going to be really good.
0: League leaders through the first you know week of the season. John Morant is averaging 35 points per game, and he leads the league. And then you got KD and Steph behind him at 31. So
1: Jaws started the season off great. Jaws started off the season has been amazing. I've heard all about him, and he's been absolutely killing it. Averaging thirty five a game, and like it just seems like he was so good his rookie year. But he has gotten better. Maybe he might be the best player in that class, even better than Zion. So far, it seems like it. I was gonna say though, the other big thing though is I have not heard Katie's name at all. I didn't realize he's still averaging thirty one. I guess that's just how casual he scores.
0: Yeah, I mean, KD opened up at 29 against the 76ers, 38 against the Hornets, and then 25 against the Wizards. KD dropping 30, 35, whatever is not like news to anyone anymore. When he starts cracking 40, 50, that's when people are like, oh, yeah, KD did this.
1: Yeah, I guess it's not news.
0: 30 points a game is is expected from him, which is crazy, but the reality of it. (laughs) That's true. One player that I want to shout out so far this year, Seth Curry. Not Steph Curry. This man the first three games is shooting or has shot thirteen for seventeen from three. That's seventy-six percent. Sheesh. <laughs> is he starting at point guard than for the Sixers?
1: Because in that case, do they even need Simmons?
0: Uh no, I think Maxi starts at point guard, but he's still averaging sixteen point three per
1: game. Oh, that's probably I mean that's probably more Simmons would have averaged anyways. 76ers are looking fairly solid. I mean, their only loss was the Brooklyn Nets. And it was a close game, too, so.
0: I was also going to say it looked like, or it looks like LeBron and Melo over the offseason, knowing that their teams are kind of going to struggle with perimeter shooting, it looked like they both worked on their three point shot because LeBron is shooting 48.3% from three, which I think is better than his field goal percentage.
1: And then LaMello is shooting kind of a streaky 50%. I was definitely concerned about their pruner shooting, but I didn't realize that LeBron James himself was going to make that transition. I thought he was going to, someone else was going to make that, but with LeBron having a shot, like him having a deadly three-point shot, it makes him one of the, like, definitely the hardest player to guard.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's still early, but the shot itself, like watching, I watched the Warriors game opening night, the shot itself looks better. It'll be interesting to see if it really is better or just, like... Like, for example, like, LaMelo's 50%. I don't know how true it is because, like I said, it was a a streaky 50%. Like, against the Pacers, he went 7 for 9 from 3. Against Celtics, 7 for 14. But then against the Cavs and Nets, he went 1 for 3 and 1 for 6. So, like, up and down kind of.
1: But still shooting more threes in general. I guess it's too short in the season to really know drastic improvements. But I guess we're seeing definitely signs of some summer work early on. And
0: then I think the only other thing that I had is some big news for Carmelo Anthony as he passes Moses Malone to go to ninth on the all-time scoring list. He's got 27,423 points and
1: counting. Wow, he's going to leak the score. I guess the only thing he's missing uh, for being one of the all-time greats is a ring.
0: Yep, and that's what he's hoping to get this year. That'd be nice. All right, I think that wraps up for this week. Thank you guys for sticking around to the end. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at CrewSportsPod, and you can reach out to us anytime on there. And we will be back again next week with more college football, NFL, and now NBA action.